0: Welcome everyone to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Now, here with me today, y'all, is just an amazing person. I have known Ingrid for a while, and I've been tracking and following her journey. And today, uh, Miss Ingrid Abild-Peterson and I are coming together to talk about navigating the field of medicine. So when we're going to doctor's appointments, when we're working with medical professionals, when we're dealing with the mental health uh, field and industry, and I think we're going to talk quite a bit about how this industry sometimes overlooks sexual trauma, trauma in general, and really misses the boat. So Ingrid's going to be sharing some of her personal journey, but also some of the insights that she's gained from working and teaching, you know, working with and teaching medical students about the connection between trauma and physical symptoms. So Ingrid is an author, a speaker, and the owner and founder of a Build Peterson Coaching. She's a certified professional coach and an energy leadership index master practitioner. So that's... that's... That's a mouthful. We might have to hear a little more about what that is and what that means. Um, She has lived in Denmark and Germany and England. Now she's hanging out in Menlo Park, California. It's cool. (laughs) It's not England, but it's cool. And um, I'm really just so glad to have you here with me today, Ingrid. Welcome. Thank you so much,
3: Rachel. Oh my goodness, what an introduction. (laughs) Oh, oh, I'm like all blushing here. So good. Thank (laughs) you so much for having me, Rachel. I've been excited to do this.
0: Yeah, well, it's been a long time time coming. I can't even remember exactly when we met, but I want to say it was at least five years ago. Is that right? Do you think? Yeah, at least. At least. Yeah. Uh, Maybe even more. Yeah. And tell (laughs) us, take us back to that time because you were in a very different place in your life when we first met. Tell us a little bit about what was going on for you then.
3: Yeah, oh my goodness, that's many years ago. So I think that was in 2014-15. I had just started my business and I was looking into what do other coaches do? And your name came up and you were kind of a mentor for me. So I remember we met and you were telling me all about, you know, how you started yours and I was so grateful. And I've been following you, Rachel. So um, no, that was awesome. So I was very new and I had no clue what i was doing actually
0: i was like oh wow well, that's all of us in the beginning We're like wait what what's
3: but going knew, on yeah but i knew i had this purpose inside mm. me. i knew i had my story i had my why i'm doing this and i wanted to help other people so i just jumped out and did it and just followed one step at a time and it's just organically just evolved into me having my business now being an author and I just love it it's fantastic
0: amazing so tell us a little bit about the work that you are doing these days
3: yeah so in the beginning I was I was you know I didn't really know what my niche was and I was just coaching everybody but it's it's interesting how universe works so it's been you know going in different fields but the people I attract are people who has had some, you know, similar stories than me, similar um, journeys. And often my clients have been seeing a therapist for many years, but need help to get out of the system. He need a help to find mm-hmm. themselves again and not seeing themselves as broken or feeling like a victim. Um, and that's exactly the journey I've done. So it's it's so interesting how that works. Um, right. Yeah. People <laughs> yeah. Who's been through, yeah. People who have been through abuse and things like that, uh, trauma, eating disorders, things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm,
0: yeah. Let's talk a little bit about this idea of the mental health system. And even the medical professional system. So it's a really important and interesting word to use. Um, what do you mean by that? Can you expand on that a little bit?
3: So the mental health system is, I mean, I got to know it very well through my eating disorder, um, went through you know support groups, um, bulimia treatment, therapists, different stages in my life. Um, but also then the, the medical field, because, um, what happened to me was my trauma was actually, it's manifested as physical symptoms. And I did not know that at that time. So I went to the doctor with these weird symptoms, um, and they were only looking at the physical symptoms. And so it took many, many years before I actually found out that they were all connected. And that's also why I wrote my book, because I want to share, I want to bring more awareness that, um, that those things are connected. And I see many, also my clients go with many physical symptoms, but then we realize, wow, it's actually connected. And when you start healing the mental side of it, mm-hmm. the physical symptoms disappear. Yeah. And, and that's that's awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think it's, it's such a tricky thing because there, there are two things happening here from, from what I see, from what you shared. One, we have the person who's having the experience, right? Mm-hmm. And they themselves may not know that there is a connection between what they're experiencing and the trauma. Mm-hmm. And then we have a medical profession, professionals, um, and sometimes even mental health professionals who don't connect those dots yeah. for someone. Yep. And then I think there's a third category of people who are experiencing symptoms have a sense and awareness that it is related to trauma, but may not know how to talk about that, how to bring that up, or even if they do, it gets dismissed and kind of yeah. shoved aside.
3: Yeah, it's it's really weird. I mean, I saw it myself and every time I brought up, could it be related? You know, they they don't know, you know, it's, it's we we need to look at the facts. Mm. And you can't really measure the the physical, the the mental side of it. You can't really measure it that much and the trauma and, but the, you know, if the MRI looks normal, it looks normal, but you can still have trauma related things. And, and the problem is when you go and you've been through a lot, you don't want to hear, oh, it's all normal. It must be, you know, know. right. (laughs) And you're <laughs> like, oh, wow, you know, listen, please take me mm-hmm. serious, right? Um, so yeah. that in itself can, can really knock you down.
0: Agreed. Yeah, it can feel really disheartening because if people are just kind of saying, well, I don't see any reason why you should be feeling that way or having that problem or experiencing that, then, then that can be, I mean, I've had some clients who are like, I just felt crazy out of my mind, like, oh, my gosh, I must be hallucinating or I must be like making this up or something, you know, something there, which of course, if we're talking about somebody who's experienced childhood sexual trauma, there's already so much self-invalidation and often feeling like, I don't know if I can trust myself or I can count on myself. And so those messages from people who we tend to be conditioned to look up to, yeah. to kind of almost sometimes respect without question their opinions their ideas their conclusions can um just be even more like debilitating and um there's another word that I'm trying to get to but it's not coming to mind
3: <laughs> so, <laughs> That's, mm. now, also the other side of it so you sit there and then the easy part is you just get some medication right that will just numb it even more you yep. will never really get to the root of what's really going on. So that means you can go for many, many years taking medication and feel sick instead right. of healing and become a person again. So there is so much of this, it's the easy part. oh, you must you know take this medication, it will help you. Mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. trying to figure out, you know, or in the mental field mental health field, oh, you know, this support group will help you. Oh, then mm. this one. or, You know, I remember when I finished the um, PTSD treatment I did, and I sat the last day in the group. There was this other woman as well, and she had her last day too. Mm -hmm. And we looked at each other, and she said, what am I going to do now? Should I just go home and wait for my next depression? And we were laughing, but we were very seriously. And that's why I also decided to become a coach, because I said, there must be something else that can help me get back to normal and not just sit and wait for my next diagnose. You know, I I don't want to be my diagnose. I've used it as an excuse for so many years. I want to go back to life.
0: Mm, (laughs) Cheers to that. Well, you know, I'm a fan of that. (laughs) We're all about that here. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Amazing. So I definitely want to talk more about what you did that ultimately supported you in your healing. But before we jump into that, I want to just see if we can do a little brainstorming around um, like what are some of the common symptoms that um, will present that might actually be tied to trauma. Now I know this is a long, broad list. It could be different for everyone, but I think it could be helpful for our listeners to just have a little bit of a sense of like, hey, oftentimes these kinds of the symptoms will have an underlying um, root cause of trauma.
3: I mean, there are all the stress symptoms because you are living in fight and flight. So, you yeah. know, raising heart, all of that, you know, it's often also in your stomach or headaches, mm. or you just tense or your chest is tight. But the thing is your body is trying to kind of talk to you. Yes. And if you're not listening, it will scream louder and louder. And I wasn't listening. I didn't know what was going on. So by the end of the day, when I had my second child, um, I started getting really sick. And for me, those symptoms screamed as every time I fell asleep, something happened that when I woke up, my left side was kind of numb. I couldn't Mm. open my left eye. And it was, it was really weird. And I didn't know what it was and it just got worse and worse. And it took long time before I could function as a normal person. I was, it was weird. I could, it, I, I was awake, but I was as well numb and it mm. was, it it was really weird. Um, so, but for every person it's different, but mm. what I'm saying is listen to your body. Right. That's and weird. if
0: you're not listening, it will scream louder and louder. hmm Mm-hmm. I just did this meditation this morning um, from the Calm app. I'm forgetting uh, May, Mel, maybe, or it might be Mel May. <laughs> Gosh, terrible. I'm so sorry. Uh, so the, the person was who leads these uh, morning movements. They're like seven minutes. It's a great way to start the day just nice. kind of. And then today, the invitation was to just stand still. First of all, just be in stillness, because a lot of times we don't notice what's happening in our body, because we are pushing through and we got to do the next thing and get on over there and pick up the kids, make the dinner, do whatever it is. Um, And um, just standing still and then doing a body scan. Mm -hmm. And then just noticing, she used the analogy of, you know, when we take a call when a car, when something's not working in the car, like the check engine light comes on, (laughs) the dreaded check engine light, and like, that's the cue, the signal, hey, something needs to be checked up, something needs to be tuned up. And that, you know, oftentimes we have these check engine lights going off in our body, but we're bypassing it, we're ignoring it. So just that moment of kind of slowing down and noticing, oh yeah, like there's a little tweak in my back or, oh gosh, yeah, there's a lot of tension in my shoulders, right? Is a place to then say, oh yeah, I need to tune into that and pay attention to what's going on there. It's so, so important. Mm -hmm. Um, I also see,
3: um, and I know that with myself also, many times when you have, when you grew up with things uh, like trauma, abuse, and so... You have this mask on you. And even if people say, oh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. But, you know, and and it's like, we believe it, but to take, and that's why often clients have a really hard time actually taking that time to sit still
2: Mm. because they're
3: so used to, no, 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 you know, I can't. And the body will react. Often my clients get sick first because the body is screaming, no, 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 don't relax. Don't relax. You know, you keep going because you want to protect. Mm -hmm. but it's really important to push through that and really try to be still and see what's really going on yeah Yeah. but we're so used to and being in the hands of the wheel and 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 also you know we don't want to feel the uncomfortable thing
0: Sure. Right. I mean, and, and also, I mean, I think I hear, maybe I've done this in my own life. I'm trying to think if the, uh, an example comes to mind, nothing's popping right into my mind, but I've definitely heard from clients the um, sentiment of, I want it to be something physical. Right? Like, I don't want it to be tied to all this. I've been doing a very good job of pushing that trauma away and, like trying to avoid it, not talk about it. Right. Yeah. So now when I come in to talk with you about my sleep disorder or this, you know, irritable gut or whatever it is, yeah. Like, in some ways, there's this thing happening in which there's like, I'm happy to be fooled. And then the medical professional is like, I don't want to touch it either. Like, yeah, I don't know. so they're all just like, okay, okay, okay. And let's just, you know, say it's just yeah. this or nothing's wrong or throw some medicine yeah. at it. And so, yeah, I think there's a, a place that we're acknowledging that it's vulnerable, it can be scary. Mm-hmm but it's ultimately so, so necessary because tell us a little bit about what shifted and changed for you physically when you began to address the underlying trauma. Yeah.
3: So, I mean, oh, um, many times in my life, also when I started bulimia treatment, I, you know, I learned to really check in and so, but it still wasn't where I felt, you know, I, I felt safe, but the thing was with my trauma, I didn't remember it. Many people remember the trauma. For me, I started having a first flashback in 2011 Mm -hmm. um, of some trauma from old stuff. I had not, but my body remembered. So my body had made me sick and tried to kind of, so even though I had been seeing a therapist for many years, I dealt with other things, Mm -hmm. but this was something I didn't know. And so when it came up, it really was a shock and uh, but my body had really tried to 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 share okay ingrid it's time for the next layer of the onion come on come on um so when i did the ptsd treatment and i really you know learned to ground myself even though the the flashbacks came and um you know it it was i needed to push through and feel the uncomfortable Mm -hmm. but the amazing thing was that you know after, I mean, it took a while. It took many, many months to really push through that. And in the healing, it's it's still going on, right? I mean, I think it's it comes and goes, um, but I learned to sit with and accept it, and mm. then I could go and forgive. I could, you know, all the emotions. But I think the most important thing is to accept these emotions are normal, yeah. because all my life I had been this oh Miss Sunshine and I didn't want to feel it and I I didn't want to go there and I didn't know what it was I didn't want to feel but I just knew I, I was taught to be a little Miss Sunshine and mm-hmm. make everybody yeah. else happy so for me to feel I, I you know it was selfish in a way so no 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 you know I better rather take care of everybody else but it was my time and I mm. needed that and I should have had that for many years ago but I just wasn't ready But the earlier we learn, and and I think in schools, they should teach that, you know. Yeah,
0: I agree. Yeah.
3: Help yourself, like in the airplane, help yourself before you help others. Mm. Daily check-ins, really figuring out what's going on, and be allowed to feel also anger and sadness and disappointment. These are normal feelings.
0: I love that. What I'm taking away from what you just shared there is that in the process of healing that you began to have more vitality and energy and capacity even to just feel your feelings and and also to show up in the world as yourself, which is one of the reasons why I love this title of your book, Unmasked. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a bit more about how people can advocate for themselves in you know the mental health medical world. And then let's talk more about your book yeah so we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back when you're all talked out and just want to know what the hell you need to do to actually break free from the pain of abuse my beyond surviving basics a no bs guide to healing your childhood trauma five day video course is your best next step five days five lessons five ways to kick PTSD to the curb. If you are ready to break free from false beliefs and triggers, onboard no BS strategies for squashing PTSD, get off the emotional roller coaster and take action to take back your life, then please go to rachelgrantcoaching.com slash broken to beyond and join the course today. Now back to our show. Welcome back, everyone. I am here with Ingrid, and we are continuing our conversation about how to avoid being overlooked um, in the medical world and how to really advocate for ourselves. So what have you found to be some of the the best things that people can do, maybe to prepare before going to see a medical professional within the the container or the context of a conversation with them? What are some of your pro tips? Um, I mean, every
3: again, every journey is different, but I think what we can do is first of all being honest with ourselves and also being critical to what we are told. Mm-hmm. It's really important to find if it's a therapist or a doctor that suits you. There are so many out there, and it's not everybody who is a good fit for you. Yeah. So if you go in somewhere and, and you're vulnerable anyway. You don't want to feel judged. You don't want to feel they don't listen. You don't want to feel overlooked. And it's okay to request another one. I think most of all, trust yourself, trust Mm -hmm. your instinct. And because you cannot heal if you don't trust the person or if you constantly feel, oh, they don't like me or they don't believe me or, you know. So it's really, that's the first thing, you know, really being honest with yourself and not be scared to say, can I try something else? Can I try right. a different one? Um, it's okay. These are people too. And and it's not for everybody. So that's one thing. The other thing is also um, start, you know, we believe in them, everything they're saying, but just because they have read things in books and they know exactly this is, we people, I mean, I never fitted the box in Mm -hmm. everything and and these are i mean we try to everywhere we try to make things as easy and and it's nice if we can measure and we can put people in boxes but it just doesn't work every time and um, it's it's really important to also be okay with that and not say and, and maybe say what else is there
0: I love that. Yeah. I think the, the the permission that you've given yourself and that you're inviting others to give themselves is to ask questions, mm-hmm. to not, base value, if you're not pleased or satisfied with the service, the support that you're getting to speak up about that. And if you don't get, you know, attunement to that, you know, you can go somewhere else. And I know, like, when you've started with a mental health professional, that it can feel like, oh, gosh, now I got to start all over. And I got to tell the whole story again. Um, But actually, no, you don't. Even if somebody asks you to do a whole inventory or intake, you don't have to do that you know and uh but you can you know but it's worth it at the end of the day to make sure that you get connected in with the right mentor guide coach therapist and medical professional to support you
3: and and sometimes it's actually refreshing to, because everywhere you are on your journey you don't need the same therapist for 10, 20 years. Yeah. It's always good to get a new, so you get a new, you know, because otherwise it gets too comfortable. It right. gets like you, oh, it's like a friend I meet every week or every second week. No, you know, you want to heal. Mm-hmm. You don't want to feel too comfortable. And the same in, in support groups. Um, it oh, might be that. nice to see, oh, they understand me. And I had the same, oh, this maybe the first time ever anybody understands. And, and I see them other people that has the same Uh, feelings and thoughts but you you don't want to sit there forever
0: Yeah, if you're not continuing to be kind of stretched or Mm -hmm. challenged, Mm -hmm. if it just becomes like um, a session where you're just kind of like bemoaning the things in your life, or you're just kind of reiterating or repeating the same things over and over again, yeah, yeah, if it's not propelling you towards ongoing change, then switch it up. Yeah, I I
3: think the system can be better at that and see, you're actually really, you know, you're ready to move on or challenge us a bit more. It's not just because we are so focused on the healing. The problem is we feel broken.
2: We right. feel sick.
3: We feel, oh, I, I, I maybe not be able to work again, or I may be mm. not, you know, because we're constantly, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm not, um, I, I use my diagnose a lot. I said, oh, I can't do that because I I have my eating disorder or I have my PTSD. Mm. Right. We need some pep talker say, hey, you got this. Try to challenge yourself a little bit more. You know, there's a whole world out there, right? Um, Oh, yeah. Start dreaming again, right?
0: Um, Yeah. I love that you know, one of my clients has a little uh, cheat sheet that she's developed that I just love. And you know, before on this cheat sheet, she's listed things like, what do I need to bring to doctor's appointments? Mm. And like, she'll bring it all she brings in a weighted blanket. She brings in some lavender, she brings in essential oil, she brings in (laughs) headphones. Uh, She's speaking specifically about the dentist, but she has kind of protocols for each type of, you know, doctor, but like, do your thing, right? Bring yeah. your things in that will give you some grounding and comfort. Um, she's created a little bit of a script for when she's meeting a new practitioner. Um, some people like to just even do that in writing like here's my little card that tells you about me and what I need and what's important and how for us to communicate Um, some people are okay having those conversations verbally but ultimately it really is about self-advocating and I know that can be challenging we know that can be hard but at the end of the day um, it's the only thing that ultimately really matters is are you asking for what you need? Are you creating the safe space that you need during an appointment to feel relaxed and connected and supported?
3: The The problem is, because I agree in everything you said, the problem is everybody's busy. And the doctors, the mental health people, they don't have the time mm. to sit and read it all or to really... And and that's mm. that's a problem.
2: It's it, a huge problem. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, yeah. Because it's it's really not helping anybody. Um. So it is something that. Uh, and then there are the waiting lists. You know, it's it's um often when you are in the system, you feel like a number, yeah. and you feel like um you're being
0: shuffled through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
3: remember in in Denmark when I before my bulimia treatment, I had a really wonderful doctor. He. Um, he said to me, Ingrid, we need to get you into this uh, treatment, but there's a waiting list. Uh, I want you to come here every week and talk to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? I mean, this is many years ago. Mm-hmm. And the, he took the time. Yeah. He saw me as a person Yeah. and he took the time to sit and just why because otherwise i don't know what i would have done in those months before i could actually get the treatment into
0: the program yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's true that the uh, i think particularly the medical profession right is set up with these like 15 minute you know appointments these days but to my mind i mean i've had to work at this but i just say well uh you're gonna have to just deal with me if <laughs> you have a lot of your time like i'm paying you yeah Right. Um, and so I remember when I went to a new obgyn and you know you walk in, they're like, take your clothes off and sit down. I was like, I'm not taking my clothes off, I don't even know who's walking through this door. Right. And I said, I will stay dressed, send the doctor in, I'm gonna have a conversation, and if I feel comfortable, then I will get undressed and put your stupid little paper (laughs) and (laughs) then we'll do the damn thing. Right. And that's, you know, the doctor walked in and she was a little surprised, right? Because she's used to just rolling on in and doing the thing. But I took about 20 minutes of her time and I just talked with her and explained like, this is what's so. And I'm not usually very easily triggered by these sorts of exams, but if I am, this is what I'm going to do. And yeah. Um, and just and in some ways I'm also on a mission, right, for medical professionals to be more trauma-informed. So I'm also a little soapboxing at that moment. Like, what do you know about this? Have you read about this? Do you research this? Are you mm-hmm. trauma-informed? Do you know what that means? <laughs> oh, Rachel. <laughs> you know, yeah. Because you know, if you don't have good answers to those questions, like you're not my person. I want yeah. somebody who cares about yeah. this aspect and this side yeah. of healing. Um, yeah beautiful I'm curious in the work that you're doing um, with up-and-coming generations of you know those who are going into this field any insights or anything you're noticing like are they receptive are they curious are they engaged in it or does it feel like they're just checking a box like what are you noticing in the the trainings that you're doing
3: yeah so um, actually what we just talked about you know be feeling comfortable and having the doctors be more you know focused on you know what else is going on in your life and and take mm. it you know seeing the person um that is why i went into the training so since 2017 i've been um teaching medical students at california north state university um with the purpose to bring the awareness that when they come out as doctors then they if they have these patients come in with the same things everything looks normal that they could think about it could be trauma related and to bring the awareness so what I typically do is in the beginning it was uh, over Skype Um, once a month I sat with students um, and they had to practice they sit there with a professor and they have to practice to interview a patient so I came up and and I was like, okay, this is a stage. I am so-and-so old. I come to the doctor with stomach pain, anxiety. And so, and then they try out, um, you know, questioning me and as if I was that patient. And I was mm-hmm. that just many years ago. And then by, and then they have to figure out, okay, what could that be? And they sit there with the professor. If this was a, you know, a real patient now, what would we do? And by the end, then I will share the rest of the story so they can see my story and um, it's interesting so um, my sister died in 2018 and I was still doing this and you know while I was um, grieving my sister um, I was still doing this but then the medical students they sent me these handwritten notes and they're like Ingrid we're so happy that you shared your story with us Mm. and I will remember this when I'm out as a doctor and, and Sorry about your loss with your sister. But they were really that mm. kept me through saying, okay, this is why I'm doing what mm-hmm. I'm doing. And it mm-hmm. is important for them to know that, you know, if they have a patient, it can be anything, it can be like, you know, um, what to be aware of um, if they're, you know, teenagers or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. But just to have the thought and have my story in in, in their minds that it could be, it's not just easy peasy there could be other things. Um, and yeah. it, it's so amazing. I it's, it's volunteer work. I do it. I've done it since 2017. I love it. And oh gosh, it's amazing. really, it, it lifts me up every time. And every time it's different, we go right. different routes because <clears throat> we have different students and depending on where they are on their journey. And so I love that job. <laughs>
0: I'm feeling emotional as you're sharing that story. First of all, just processing with you the the loss of your sister, and as you're sharing the conversations that you're having, I'm wondering. I'm like, gosh, it's not trauma informed medical professionals; it's human informed. <laughs> <laughs> That's like we just lost the humanity. Yeah, that industry has become so politicized it's become so commercial it's become so about the money and these sorts of things so I love that you're sitting down with these up-and-comers and and reminding them that this is a human profession first and foremost
3: it's it's a it's a win-win I mean for them it's also fun to have like a real patient to ask and I'm very open about you know whatever has been going Mm -hmm, on but -hmm. also for me it's it's like okay it keeps me going so this is a reminder this is why I do what I'm doing right um so yeah it's it's a big purpose yeah beautiful
0: Tell us a little bit about your book, Unmasked. What can people expect to experience? Yes, hold it up no, 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 no,
2: no.
0: Break it, put it, show it. <laughs> you worked hard on that and the cover and the back and the forth and the front all of it. So yes, people you can get um Ingrid's book unmasked um on Amazon. I will be sure to include a link here in our show notes. But yeah, tell us a little bit about the book.
3: Yeah. So it's funny because I never saw myself as becoming an author. I'm not one of those people who say, oh, I want to become an author. Mm. I never saw that coming. But when I went through my things and I started my business, I I knew it could be actually a good thing to share my story with others. Um, But every time I started writing, my dystonia came back and I got sick. So Mm. I knew I wasn't ready for that. And then when my sister died in 2018, my therapist at that time, she said, Ingrid, now it's the time, right? So I wrote, I wrote my whole journey, I wrote everything down. Hmm. And uh, that was so therapeutic. it was really getting it all out. So then I sent that manuscript into the editor. But by doing that, I realized, you know what, this is not the book that I feel comfortable uh, publishing this was for me. So I took Mm. a six month course where I really dived into why do I want to write a book? What is the message of the book? So this book is not about what happened to me. It's about what does, what did trauma do to me Mm. and the journey through the system and journey, how I, you know, got out of all of it and, and created my own life as it is today.
0: Cheers to that. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Mama. I'm stoked about that. I love the book. I uh, wrote a little blip for it because yeah, okay. I really um, <laughs> think it's so important for stories like yours to be out there. It's a source of inspiration and information. And I thank you for your deep vulnerability um, in the book. So y'all go out, get a copy. Um, also, you can connect with Ingrid um, over at her website, abildpetersoncoaching.com. I'll include a link there as well. So as we're wrapping up today, just final thoughts. What would you um, most want listeners to walk away with from today's conversation or to just know? Hope. There is hope. You,
3: if you are stuck somewhere now in the mental health or medical system or in old pain, there is hope. You don't have to be there. You have a choice. Every day we have a choice and life is beautiful. So hope. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. Thank you, Ingrid, so much for being here today. So had a great time connecting with you and chatting. Thank you so much for having me, and giving me this opportunity.
3: I really appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. And for all of you listening thank you for tuning in and joining us today as always if you'd like to make a donation in support of the podcast just pop over to bit.ly slash beyond surviving podcast donation and then head on over to rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching to explore the other resources available on the site and please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and then come back next time because we have so much more to share and until then Take good care of you. Powell's up.